Okay, good morning, beloved. Welcome to our Sunday church. Welcome everyone who's logging in with us for the first time in India and internationally. Uh, we are on uh, Facebook and you can find us. Our handle is at Beloved Sons of God. So write to us if you live in Bombay. Uh, you know, again, write to us and we'll tell you where we gather. The lockdown is, uh, you know, we're out of the lockdown and so we'll pretty much be meeting in a week or two. So we'll tell you where we gather. Um, before I begin this message, I put a link below. Uh, I put a link below, uh, you know, a PDF link. And so if you click on it, it's going to open up to all the scripture verses that I'm taking today. So today I'm going to be speaking on, uh, on speaking on marriage and relationships. Although I'm not yet married, but I'm speaking on marriage and relationships. And I've taken everything from the word. Uh, you know, over the years, I've walked with Jesus for 20 years. And over the years, I've, uh, I've, uh, I've I wouldn't say counseled, but I've given, uh, you know, I've seen when people have come to me with their marital problems or relationships. And uh, I've given them, uh, you know, uh, I've shown them the word. And the word is all I need. Okay, and when they receive that word, it brings about the word has a wisdom and it's brought about some fruit in their lives. Okay, and so that's how I've counseled them. I've counseled them in the word and it's brought about um, fruit. And um, so I've taken a lot of, uh, you know, uh, uh, today what I'll be sharing is something that I've seen across relationships. And it's not just marriage. I've seen the same problems arise and it could be in different types of relationships. It could be in a brother and sister. It could be in the father and son, uh, you know, the way um, it could be in nephew and niece, um, you know, so I've just seen and the common problem is the same. I saw it as a, a common, uh, you know, uh, like a denominator. And so I want to address that. Okay. Today. And I really going to, I really believe that it's going to bless all of you. So, um, so let's dive into the word. Okay, sorry, I'm, uh, I'm pulling in people and I'm adding people as we're getting in. Try not to be distracted by things around you. Okay, so let's just begin. Uh, <clears throat> if you have your notes on the oneness group, if you're on our WhatsApp group, I put the notes down and so you, um, just flow with me. Okay, so let's get into the word. Let's start with Genesis 2.14. Okay, what is marriage and what is God's definition of marriage? Okay, and so... Let's read that. It's in Genesis 2, 14, verse 15. Now, people who are listening for the first time, I know a lot of people have just logged in for the first time. I just want you to hear the word because the word is like a seed. And sometimes what I'm saying, you may not get it, but that seed will do what it's supposed to do and it'll just pop. Okay? So we're going to hear by the spirit of understanding, not with a, uh, with a head knowledge. Okay, Genesis 2, 14. The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. So this is, Genesis is right in the beginning. When God said, let there be light, then he made the heavens, the earth. He made everything in the earth. He made the trees. He made, uh, you know, the stars. And then it says that on the sixth day, God made man. Okay. And it says here that the Lord placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. To tend means to just keep it. Everything was a finished work and Adam just had to tend it. Like when everything is done and you're just maintaining it, you're not really doing anything. Okay. Um, <clears throat> okay. But the Lord warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Okay. There were two trees, tree of knowledge of good and evil and tree of life. And God told him, don't eat out of the tree of knowledge of good and evil or what we call like a karmic tree, okay? You eat out of it, you're going to die. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. 
suitable for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the air, all the wild animals, but there was no helper just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took, took one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, now see this, this is before the fall. And look at the way the man looks at somebody who's come out of him. Come out of him. Okay. Because Eve came out of him. And so look at this. This one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. He sees her as one. Bone from my bone, flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. The two are united into one. That's where children come from. They're a product of the union of two people. Today, if you have children, if you look at them, you'll see yourself if you're the husband and you'll see the wife. It's a product of two. It's a union of two. And so when Adam looked at Eve, First thing he said, this is bone of my bone, bone, flesh of my flesh. She is a part of me because she's come out of me. And God calls that one. Okay, this is before the fall. And look at this. Now in Genesis 3.16, so what happens then after this? The devil comes, tempts, tempts Eve. She partakes of the fruit. She eats of the wrong tree and sin enters the world. Okay, and, and because she partakes of the fruit, sin enters the world. And because sin enters the world, death comes in. That's why today we feel like, you know, all the problems that we have, whether it is any problems in your marriage, in your external extended relationships, anything that you have, even sickness, the result of all of that is because of sin. And sin leads to death, meaning at some point, whether it's divorce or whether it's just a sour relationship, anything, okay, the result of death is because of sin. And so what was the curse that fell now after they sinned? Okay, there was a curse that fell on Adam. There was a curse that fell on the serpent, Satan. And then there was a curse that fell on Eve. Okay, and so what was the curse that fell on Adam? The curse that fell on Adam was like, you know what? Now everything you're going you're gonna to earn money or everything that you're going to do is going to be from the sweat of your brow. That means you're going to labor for everything. Nothing is going to come free anymore. And that's what man is today, right? In a cycle, he's just earning money. Everything is by sweat. You're laboring hard to get a little. Okay, and that came because of the curse. That's why when you come into the kingdom as a son, you'll get easy money. God wants you to work less and get more. That's his lifestyle. Okay, and it comes in as soon as you come into the kingdom. Okay, now look at the, but look at the curse that fell on Eve. It says to the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain, you shall bring forth children. That's where labor pains come from. I told you there's a testimony in Beloved, where one of our members, she was, she had a baby and she was not getting labor pains. So they were not taking her in the hospital because she knew that, you know what, now I'm redeemed. I'm not supposed to get labor pains. And then she went to the doctors and just checked herself in the ward and said, you know what, just get me into labor because I'm not going to have any pains. And the baby just came out ASAP without any pains. Okay. It's because this is the inheritance of a son, but to the world, it's abnormal, but to us, it's, it's natural. Okay. So it says in labor, 
in labor you will bring forth children and then it says look at this your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you your desire shall be for your husband and now you're constantly longing for the guy's attention and it says that he will rule over you and then you know today you see the same hierarchy going on but it came after the fall and before the fall it was oneness she was god called her a helper suitable to him right for him made for him for a common purpose that means to tend that garden for a common vision there was somebody given attached to you who probably has the same vision and you all will be both walking one suitable for each other okay now so when i I've, I've, i've spoken to people when i've ministered to people over these years i've seen one common problem and i've never heard this taught in any church so far in any message that i've seen okay and they all have to do is because if you don't see yourself as a son that's the problem in every relationship okay now and that's why i want to address this in marriage or in any area of relationships in any area of your life what does the father first call you and so your identity is very important and you minister in every relationship through that one identity it's not a confusing identity it's one identity and so now let's look at that word okay you get born again you come into the kingdom if each of you is listening to me okay now let's see this Galatians three twenty eight, okay. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. What are we? Sons of God through faith faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Now see this. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. Or I can say there is neither husband nor wife. there is neither brother nor sister there is neither father nor daughter there is neither mother nor daughter okay you are all one in christ jesus and if you are christ then you are abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise 1 corinthians 15:45 and so it is written the first man adam became a living being the last adam that is you and me became a life giving spirit however the spiritual is not first but the natural and afterward the spiritual the first man was of the earth made of dust the second second man is the lord from heaven as was the man of dust so are those who are made of dust as is the heavenly man so are those who are heavenly and as we have borne the image of the man of the dust we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man matthew was 317 when now this is about jesus jesus got baptized he comes out of the water Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold the heavens were open to him and he saw the spirit of god descending like a dove and alighting upon him and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying this is my beloved son in whom i am well pleased that is the foundation that that's the scripture verse of our church matthew 3:17 this is my beloved son in whom i am well pleased so what is what does the father when he looks at you what does he see you does he see you as a husband towards the wife does he see you as the wife towards a husband he just sees you as a son and then you see jesus he had different relationships he had his relationship with, with his mother he had relationships with his disciples he went to you know in front of the ruler pontius pilate he had a relationship with him but he dealt with all of these multiple relationships 
through the identity of a son. And even as he engaged with all of these relationships coming to him in the identity of who he is, like he was giving compassion to one. He was ministering, he was going and, you know, someone was sick, he was just giving life. But he, what I'm saying is he was engaging in all of these different relationships around him. He even took some children up. And, but his identity was not changing to each one and adapting to each one. His identity was only that of a son and that he's a life-giving spirit. And so he's consistent in his identity with all of them. He's being a life-giving spirit. He's being a son of God. He is being the provider. He is being the bread of life. He is being the healer. He is being the counselor. He is being the peace. In all of these areas, he's consistent and he's just being a life-giving spirit. And even as being, he's being a life-giving spirit, everything is in order. There was a time when they said, you know, when Jesus was young, it said that, you know, they couldn't find him. And then they find him in the synagogue. He's 12 years old, I think, and he's studying. And then his mother comes and says, oh, we've been looking for you and you've, you know, you're not anywhere, nowhere to be found. And then he says, oh, I'm just about my father's business. And then it says that, yeah, he submitted to her for that time. But after he gets baptized, when the Holy Spirit comes on him, again, when they tell Jesus, you know, look at your mother, look your mother. And he says, the one who does the will of God is my mother and father and my brother. He engages even with his mother as a son. And I don't see anything else written about that relationship. Just that I see it in order. Okay. And I realize whenever I'm talking to people, when they come to me with their problems, they come is because they found themselves in the identity either of a husband or in the identity of a wife. And then wanting to suck life out of the other person and wanting to fill some sort of void that they have or they want out of each other because they've come into the wrong identity. They see themselves as a wife. They see themselves as a husband. And then the husband is looking at, this is all the things that the wife should do. And then the wife is looking at, this is all the things that the husband should do. And they've forgotten their place as a son. And imagine if there are two sons and they're just both life-giving spirits and they're just giving. Guess what? Both of them are receiving. Now I've seen three types of people, okay? In marriages, there is the, when two are sons, okay? So there's the believing husband and the believing wife. They both know Christ. Christ is in the center. Then I've seen the, the believing husband or the believing wife who has an unbelieving husband or an unbelieving wife, okay? And then there are just like singles waiting to get married or, you know, some who just don't want to be married and that's fine. And then of course, then there are, uh, you know, they might uh, just be divorced singles or widowed singles. Okay, these are all of the uh, people that I've engaged with. But the common factor is the identity of all of them is that you have to be in, a, in the, the position of a son. Okay, and so when so I've taken those three, but I might just intermingle them even as the message goes forward. Okay, and so just take the life that you're receiving. And so let's begin with, you know, when it's a believing husband and a believing wife. Now, even if they're believing, to the degree someone knows their sonship, it might look like unequal. And so that's where the strife comes, okay? Because they may not be seeing things the way you see things. And so what are the things that you do in that? And what are the answers in that, okay? And so let's look at the word. <clears throat> okay, let's go on to the, uh, sorry, I have my pages, you don't. Okay, so how does a relationship, how did our relationship with Christ first begin? How did you even come into the kingdom? Or each one of you, at some point you pray, you know, and you've come into the kingdom. We all came into the kingdom and began a relationship with Christ 
and became a son on the foundation of forgiveness. That he has forgiven you. That he went on the cross, he died, he did everything for me, he rose again. When he died, I died. When he was buried, I was buried. When he rose again, I, was, I rose again with him. But it begins with the foundation of forgiveness. And then everything from there, constantly, even as I'm growing, I'm conscious in my heart constantly, what does righteousness mean? Constantly knowing that you are forgiven. Constantly knowing that it's a finished work. It's, it's a flowing. It's, it says, the word says that the blood is constantly cleansing us of all our un unrighteousness. It's not, it's not, it's not your, uh, uh, your, your position of your salvation is talking about. Constantly in all things, it's just like cleansing you, your conscience over all the condemnation that you constantly have. Okay. And so our position, so even as we're looking and we're entering that relationship, forgiveness is not a one-time thing. It's a constant thing, but it's done on the foundation that I don't, I am not, I don't sit with Christ. Uh, you know, I'll say something to him if I, if I know that I've done something wrong. I don't really say, I don't really talk to him or confess something to be forgiven. I know that I am forgiven. And it's on the foundation of the security that no matter what we are doing in this marriage, it is to eternity. And so it's on the foundation of everything is forgiven. It's on the base of the finished work, just the way my relationship with Christ is. Okay. And so let's read Hebrews 10, verse 6. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and in their minds. I will write them. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. So that means we are forgiven and he doesn't remember it anymore. It's about forgetting it, not constantly bringing those things to remembrance, constantly going again and again of what you did last summer or, you know, what, what was the conversation that we had two weeks ago? It's forgiven and forgiven means, you know what, for me, this is forgotten. Just the way Christ doesn't remember this, I'm not going to hold this against you. Okay. Look at 1 Peter 4 8. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers, covers over a multitude of sins. Love covers a multitude of sins. Love doesn't expose things. Love covers a multitude, multitude of things. Okay. Sometimes it is just go and settle it between you and him or him and her. Just settle it between two. You don't need to expose everything for the whole world to see. Love covers a multitude of sins. Okay. Ephesians 4.32. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. And why do we forgive one another? Why do we forgive? Even as God in Christ forgave you. So what is marriage? How does marriage begin? Because, you know, we are called the bride of Christ and he's called the groom. But it, be, it begins on the foundation of forgiveness and a constant forgiveness towards each other. Okay. Look at this. So a lot of people tell me, you know, they want their husbands to change or they want their wives to change. And a lot of people get into relationships thinking that someone will change. And I got into it because I thought he will change. And I feel that's just a lie. You accept the person for what they are. You can't change somebody. Only the Holy Spirit can. And the word says, we only get transformed by the renewing of your mind. And it's through grace, through righteousness, consciousness. Okay, let's, let's read that word. Romans 12, 3. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable and perfect will of God. So how am I going to get somebody to change? Even in my own household, my brother only changed after he kept hearing the word of grace. 
knowing that he was forgiven, knowing that he was the righteousness of God, suddenly there was a shift in his life. He wasn't as like he had this anger problem. Suddenly when he came to Christ, the anger left. He became more mellow. But it happened even as he was hearing the word, but hearing the word of righteousness, consciousness. Okay. And look at, look at 2 Corinthians 3. Now there's a way out for this. Okay. Now the Lord is, the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled face, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. That means there is freedom. But we all with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord. You're getting transformed. How are you getting transformed? Okay, how are you getting transformed? By beholding in the mirror. What is the mirror? It's the word of God. So how is that person going to get transformed? They're going to get transformed even as they start looking at themselves in the word of God. So then you will say, but Priya, but this person doesn't even hear the word. I'm so done. How is that ever going to happen? And this is where the difference I've seen. The son, if you are a son, now I've just seen this and I've applied this and I've, I've shared this with so many in beloved and you all have started applying it and you all have started seeing it. We bear fruit. Okay. You know, when I say son, it means you died. It's all Christ in you. That's how you become a son. That is the foundation of sonship. It's all Christ in you. Now, your words are spirit and they are life. You just progress in your own sonship. Just go ahead in your own sonship. And I told you, you know, you're the message on being a lion. Being a lion, it means standing true for who you are. How many in your relationships never opened your mouth? And now, even as you started opening your mouth and just being who you are, because you're a son, you, you, there is a, a spiritual principle that everything is submitting to the voice of the son. So even as you're vocal about what you believe in that relationship, it might be, you know, you're more like, you look at it and you're more open and someone is like more closed. But even as you're standing in and speaking life, grace, and I'm, I'm not talking about condemnation here. One can be, you know, completely legalistic and I've had those relationships where they're completely in the old, okay? And someone has just got grace and they're running forward and there is a tug. But I, I, I feel that the person in grace should just keep speaking the goodness of God. And once they taste it, Trust me, there's a shift. I always wait for that, for some encounter to happen in that person's life. And it does. It might take time, but you don't back down from opening your mouth to the truth. And then one day, because, because you are one, when, the, when God sees you, he said, when, when Adam saw Eve, he called her one. When you come together in marriage, the word says, what God has joined together, let not man separate. That means when you come together, God sees you as one. So now if I am seeing something, okay, I'm going ahead in my, in my revelation and I'm seeing something. If I'm one, he's going to see it also. It doesn't mean you're two. He's going to see it. And so that's when you feel like, you know what? I just thought it. And uh, you know, he, I don't know what it is, but he started changing. It's because you're one. You're not two separate. It's because sometimes you feel like you're totally separated, but you're not. And so even as you're going forward and you're speaking it in your relationship, you're seeing it, you'll realize how they're catching on to that because you are one. Okay. Now look at this. Marriage is, um, you're constantly forgiven. Okay. Okay. I'm just going to bring out a few things that I've written down here. Uh, so the identity, what, what are you saying? I am forgiving because I am forgiven. It's about sonship. It's about being who I am, right? The reason why you will be in a relationship forgiving 
and you'll forget is because that is who you are. It's in your nature to do that. Even if you don't want to, it's going to come out. Sometimes I genuinely just forget things. I don't know how, but I genuinely forget because it's in my nature. God doesn't want me to remember those things. And so I've just forgotten them. Okay. Um, now, no relationship when you come into marriage, okay, when you're coming together, it says it's about two people coming together. And so it's about just two people. And so sometimes it's about forgetting your past and everything that was part of your past. So I have so many people, you know, no one plans to commit adultery. You don't plan it. It happens. And most people who've been in relationships like that, they say, I didn't plan it. And then what I see, I see that there was an underlying confidence in the flesh that someone had. I can handle it. And they go ahead and it happens where they were engaging with their ex-girlfriends or, you know, just having their uh, exes or like letters from the past. And then if they were having a low moment, they went through the stock and they found something. And they felt like, oh, they're feeling low. And then they call up that person. And one thing, you know, led to another. When you come into a relationship with somebody, it's with that person. It's out of your respect for that person. It's out of reverence for the relationship that you have, that you have to disconnect with your past. It means all of your, all of the old, it's gone. You know, I remember I was in, um, I was in, uh, this was many years ago, like eight years ago. Uh, I was, uh, I had a friend who was messaging me and just texting me and, uh, you know, he was flirting with me. And so I really thought like this guy is single. And uh, after some time, so after uh, about three days of, uh, you know, about a week, I said, uh, okay, so how many relationships have you had? And so he said, uh, you know, I've had two, one in, the, one in the past and one now. I said, so you currently have a girlfriend? So he said, yeah, but you know, there's healthy flirting. I said, there's no such thing as healthy flirting. And all, you know, all adultery and everything begins with like this, because a lie told you that there is something called healthy flirting. And why do you think that? Because the world does it. Just because the world does it, it's not in the kingdom. Don't call yourself, it's natural. No, it's abnormal. And so he told me, this is, uh, it's healthy flirting and, you know, it's harmless. I said, uh, I said, I think you're dishonoring your girlfriend. I'm very sorry, but I didn't know you had a girlfriend. I said, I'm, you're dishonoring your girlfriend. And I said, there's no such thing as healthy flirting. I think you should, uh, if you're dating your girlfriend, if you're serious about her, then you should marry her. And, uh, you know, he said, oh, I'm so sorry to hurt you. I said, you didn't hurt me, you hurt her because you're committed to her and you're doing this uh, without her knowledge. Three months later, so I disconnected that. Uh, you know, I think he felt really guilty. And uh, three months later, he married her. Okay. But there is no such thing in the kingdom for healthy flirting. And, you know, once you're committed, you're committed. All adultery starts like that, hanging around outside the covenant of marriage. Okay. You know, things like texting in these days, we have emojis. After I get married, I'm not sending hearts and kisses to any other guy except my husband. But it's become so casual in these days and it can be misleading to somebody. Okay, your text messages. Uh, you know, it's like if you keep looking in the rear view mirror of your car, you won't move forward. Okay, there is something about, I know it sounds like, oh my God, it's being so rigid. Why can't I just casually remain friends? Okay, but there's something about covenant being between husband and wife and you're making that because it's sealed by blood. And so even as you're honoring that, trust me, everything is honoring you. The blood honors you. You are, you are saying that, you know what, this is so special that I will not allow anything to come into it. And that's the honor. That's the, that's the you know, the blood that you're living in. Okay. Um, <clears throat> okay. I talk about, uh, okay, so let's go. 
the, the next one, okay? We are one. Marriage is only between three with Christ in the center. So many, now this is a very cultural thing, okay? In our country, when a girl gets married or a guy gets married, you pretty much get married to the family, okay? And God's definition of marriage is between two people. It's not between I am marrying your whole family. And most problems I've seen arise is because the family gets involved. It has to be between two people with Christ in the center. And if husband and wife learn to, even in the small, when the problems come, if you learn to not just pick up the phone and talk to your friend about it or talk to somebody else about it, but you, you talk, communicate with each other and decide that, you know what, whatever it is, we're not going to take up problems out. It's going to be resolved because it's not you alone. I'm talking about a, having two sons, right? It's having Christ in the center. You have a common father in the middle, holding it together, your relationship. And you'll be surprised how if you learn to talk it to each other and maybe pray about it, you'll be surprised how God intervenes and has solved it even before you picked up the phone to call somebody. It was already out. It's because we pick up and we have so many other people that now marriage is not between the two. It's become within everybody except the two. And then you have so many opinions coming in. Okay, look at this. Now look at Ephesians 5. And further, now this is from the word. I'm telling you the, if you, the word, Jesus and the word are one. Okay, that means the word is going to hold true. I get all my counsel from the word. So it is written in the word, it's got wisdom for me. Now it says in Ephesians 5, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That means husband and wife. This is talking about specifically about husband and wife. It says wives, for wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Submit to your husbands as to the Lord. It doesn't say submit to 100 other people, but submit to your husband. Okay, now submit doesn't mean control or like he has all dominion and he's doing whatever he wants and you just go blindly with it. Let's read ahead what that means. Okay, for a husband, for a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. Let's read verse 21 again. And further, submit to one another. To who is it saying to submit? To one another. Not the wife submitting to his mother or the husband submitting to her, her mother. It says husbands submit to each other. That means it's about two people. Okay? Look at this. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband, it means he is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so your wives should submit to their husbands and everything. Now look ahead. Verse 25. For husbands, this means, now see this what submission means. This submission, right? It's talking about submission. But look for what it means for a husband. It means love your wives as Christ loved the church. It means love your wives as Christ loved the church. So if the person, and this is again, I'm talking about two sons, right? Two believing, like husband is believing, the wife is believing. If one of them doesn't understand how much God loves them, then they will not, that, that love towards you will, will, will not come out as an overflow. It's only possible for that transformation to happen. That's why sometimes, you know, when they, we, they come to me, like recently I have had somebody talking about marriage, okay, and how... The husband is acting in a certain way and she's like, you know, we go to church, but he's just not there. He's hard. And, you know, I just felt like saying that, make him hear grace, you know, and just how much God loves him. Now, she thought these are small, small problems. He's not here. He's not, you know, he doesn't allow me to do certain things. I want to go for a vacation. He says, no. I said, that's because 
the love of the father is not in his heart he doesn't know how much he's loved the minute you have like a tap going in of how much god loves you now it says for husbands this means love love your wife it will be an overflow that love will be an overflow knowing how much the father loves you and same way vice versa for the wife okay and i've seen this in marriages happen okay just as christ loved the church he gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean washed by the cleansing of god's word how are you edifying the first thing that we do okay i have seen this in my own family sometimes like i'm tempted to say things that i want to say and then i'll withhold myself is because the word says wash by the cleansing of god's word there is something about the words of edifying that you speak on each other that have an impact they're not just going to go and fall flat they will do what they're called out to do what you are speaking them for to do okay so it's not slamming one another he did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish instead she will be holy and without fault that means it's not fault finding in each other okay you see the faults but you're not fault finding them in each other how am i saying to apply this i'm telling you there's a spiritual truth sometimes i see somebody with all the problems they are there but i just go by the word and the word says that christ is not fault finding with me he's not he sees them all but he disconnects it and calls it my flesh because he doesn't identify with me as flesh he identifies me as a in spirit that means i'm a son now my job because i'm not separated from christ i am also a son of god and so there has to be a spiritual truth here and so even as i don't identify and i don't tell them that they are your that you are your flesh i don't give them the identity so even if someone is boozing or someone is drinking i'm not going to say you're a smoker you're an alcoholic you're you're constantly a failure no i'm looking at their flesh and judging them by their flesh i would say what if if there are sun right before me who they are and what god is telling me who i am just the way it's no different from if i see myself this way i will see somebody else the same way you know i'll give you an example when you have healing when you have symptoms of sickness in your body you'll never hear me say you are sick how many of you who are in beloved i'll always address it as lying symptoms they're lying symptoms on the sun because the word says that you are healed it's not in your nature and so if you have them yeah they're lying symptoms and we'll deal deal with them as lying symptoms on your body okay but my point is but that is also the way i look at myself so it doesn't change so the way i look at myself is also the way i look at you there is no difference and so the same way and then i've seen so many times that things shift and they disappear and so if you really want that if if you're with another son their their symptoms their engage yeah it's the flesh but the flesh will fall off if you keep reminding them their identity is that of a son and you speak to them when you address to them like that okay look at this it says in the same way husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies okay as they love their own bodies for a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself no one hates his own body but feeds and cares for it just as christ cares for the church and we are members of his body okay now i'm going to share this uh, principle with you okay before i get to the next page okay let me just read that and the scripture says a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one this is a great mystery but it is an illustration of the way christ and the church are one 
So again, I say each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Okay, it says here a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. One of the biggest things in marriage, if you get married, God's word says live independently. In our culture, we get married and we go into a home. We live with the in-laws or the wife comes over, and there's just like extended family. God's word says, and if His word says, is just blindly do it. There is wisdom in it. If you're getting married, live independently. If you think right now, oh, but there are so many things, just pray about it. You'll be surprised. The minute you make a decision that, yes, Father, I'm standing on your word. I want to be independent. You'll be surprised how a way is made. It just opens up. And it just keeps, you're just keeping the devil out because of just like so many things coming in. Trust me, it's just wisdom. You can still do it. It doesn't mean, you know, I moved out of my mother's house a few years ago, uh, six years ago. It doesn't mean I love her less. It doesn't mean, it's just that my identity comes from who I am, not from my mom. And so I'm living like a son. And it doesn't mean if you move out, oh, I don't love my parents. It doesn't mean that. It's just healthy. God says that I'm going to do it. And so I can love them. But I'm loving them through God's word. I'm loving them through truth. And I trust God's word enough to let go of my own understanding. And in that, you'll see how just there is just, you know, again, you, you'll see the word of God working out for you. Okay. Now see this, I've, uh, you know, I've had this uh, submission thing just taken to another level. Okay. And we had a, um, a couple in, um, uh, you know, this was uh, uh, some while ago, but this girl met this guy and he was, uh, again, uh, you know, he knew the Lord and um, uh, he knew the Lord. So they, so they both were believers. Okay. But he took this verse and said, submit and to a whole new level. And just kept lording over her. And so this girl, you know, at some point left Beloved. She was with this guy. He was doing whatever he wanted. He, you know, his walk was not completely, uh, you know, a lot of it, uh, you know, was in the flesh as well. And, and the word that was given was, you know, submit. It says, submit to me. And submission does not mean just doing everything. The guy is doing anything and now the wife is just submitting because the word says submission. It means being true to who you are. You submit to each other in truth. That means the word is my foundation. So if I see it in the word, I'm submitting to the truth because it says we do it in reverence for Christ. Submit to one another. So if the guy is just an alcoholic, I'm not going to submit to his alcoholism. I stand up for the truth that no, it's not in your nature. You're a son. We're not going to have this. I'm submitting to the truth. It's not in your nature. I'm not going to be a part of this. And so this girl went with this guy and she said, and you know, she, she was out of beloved and she said, no, I'm submitting to him. I said, I said, the relationship is not going to work out. Why? But she said, I'm doing it by scripture. I said, that's not scripture. I said, you've forgotten who you are. You're a son. Take your position as a son. A son means when you see something amiss, you speak up for it. And now I'm, I'm, you're submitting to the word. And so long story short, yeah, it did happen. That relationship ended in death. When everything was by scripture, but it just went into death. And then as a son, she came into another relationship with an amazing guy, another believer. And in this relationship, she started speaking for who she is, like the lion. Like if she saw something as a son, she would stand up for it. She would speak up for it. Even if it was the old ways, you know, some people come from religious churches and they're bringing their religious traditions. And then she would say, no, you're a son. Now this is all over. And she started speaking. She had no fear of loss in this relationship. And even as she started speaking the truth, do you know that suddenly the husband was just loving her so much, giving her so much more. And in this relationship, they're both sons. And it led to life. They're now married as well. With children. 
it means submission doesn't mean just blindly doing what the other person is saying. It means standing up for who you are and what I believe. In my own family with my mother for 10 years, we fought. Now submission didn't look like, oh, I'm under a house, so I'll allow everything what she's doing. No, I stood like a son. I was not part of all the idol worship. I would speak up when the time was right, any time that I got. And I would say there's a father in heaven who loves you, mom, that if you really want the father, look up. He doesn't resign of those idols. And I would speak up time and again, there were rips, but I am, I'm submitting to who I am. I'm standing up that I am a son. And be it a mother and daughter relationship. And today she's in the kingdom because my words are spirit and they are life. They will do what they were sent out to do. Same way that girl who came into that new relationship, she started speaking. She didn't fear. In this one, she started speaking who she is. And do you know that even as her words went out, her husband started submitting and started seeing that, wow, we are sons. We are no more in the old, we're in the new. This is so amazing. Is because everything submits to the words of the father. The son will hear them. There is a principle in that. How many people you all have opened up? So we submit to the truth in each other. If there is a truth, we'll submit to that. But, and what is the truth? God's word. So it says, live independently. Husband and wife come together. God's word says, it's, you know what? We're submitting to the truth. And if one person doesn't agree, or he still wants to live with the family, he still wants to live with the family, the wife, don't back down. Just say, you know what? The word says, stand, live independently. I believe the word, speak it up again and again. And there might be ruffles, there might be ruffles, but the way will be made. Your words are spread and they are life. And because you are one, you are one, you're not two different. You are one. He will see it. He will see it. It's because I'm not talking about marriage for the heathen. I'm talking about marriage in the kingdom. It's different, right? You have Jesus in the middle. So that person will catch on to it. But even as you don't keep shut about it, I want you to start speaking up. How many of you right now in your relationships, even as you started from two weeks ago, started speaking, you've never spoken for eight years. We have testimonies. The same husband who said no, the same husband started saying yes. She wanted to read the Bible. She said, no, I'm going to do it now. And now why? It's because it's no more the girl speaking. It's my words are spread in their life. The son will always respond to the voice of the father. Remember that. And when you are speaking, they're the father's words. Okay? So it's a spiritual principle. That's what I'm seeing. So you don't try and understand it with your head knowledge. You just go by God's word. I just blindly, sometimes, you know, when people don't understand things, I just keep talking to them, even though I know it's going like this. Because I, I, I don't want their, this brain. I'm, I'm doing it like a spiritual thing. Like I know that my words are seed and they'll fall. And so right now they just don't understand and they're saying, and I just ignore and I just keep speaking still. And then one day, suddenly after like two months, they'll call me up and say, hey, listen, <laughs> because my seed did it. It's a spiritual truth. So my, the word says, don't slam that person. Okay, fine. So even when I see my brother doing all these crazy things, don't, don't address him in the flesh. Remind him he's a son. And so in spite of all these terrible things, you're a son. Nothing is going to happen as much as I hate telling him that sometimes. Okay. It's because I have to stand on the word because I know that the word is true. And then after some time, that flesh falls off. That word holds true. Okay. Look at this. Um, Revelation 19.6. And I heard as it were, the voice of a great multitude as the sound of many waters and the sound of mighty thundering saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent, omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready and has made herself ready. That means there's a whole process of getting ready. Okay. 
and to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen clean and bright for the linen fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints love is edifying love builds up the last thing an alcoholic wants to hear that he is an alcoholic he knows he's an alcoholic you need to remind him as a son that it's the flesh it's not an addiction he is not an alcoholic he might be drinking glass of alcohol but he is not an alcoholic don't give him the identity of an alcoholic he is a son of god and everything is nature doesn't like to be addicted that's how you address things it takes time but the word will always bear fruit because in that relationship you are the son you are the son your words will shift even as you don't change the way you're looking at him don't confuse him oh okay seeing each other through the blood okay make room it says that you know the bride his wife had made herself ready give room for each other to have error and to grow sometimes we just want everything just to be so perfect that everyone should just come to it like how do you not see it and i've realized this just in beloved like each one is at a different pace like some get it instantly some take time and so i just have to allow each one to just walk it out for themselves and the holy spirit to work at their own pace i remember when even my mom had come into the kingdom i just wanted her to latch on to joseph prince that time you know cuz his foundation of righteousness was there and then she was here to joel austin and you know i was like oh i wanted to get it like you know and then of course we progressed uh, progressed on to sonship but god told me don't butt into my relationship with them and so sometimes you can be husband and wife and you know allow give grace to each other just little room to just grow and yeah you might make mistakes along the way and to have error and what i'm saying is i've realized that people want you know, you know like uh, i like to shop i genuinely like to shop but i like to go by myself to a mall because i know what i want i know going and then sometimes i hang out with my friends or like you know some someone might tag along with me and then i know that they don't like it so i'm not going to make them a part of this whole ordeal of mind shopping let them go and have their own time doing something else my point is not everyone has to be engaged with everything that you're doing just give them room to do some things that they love by themselves give them some time to just have your maybe man space and girl space whatever you're doing and is just allowing them to just be not conforming them to your sort of system i know that you know like uh, when i go to my cousin's house everything is just perfectly kept or when i used to go to my aunt's house okay she used to have display towels and so towels were displayed and these were only for show you can't use them and then there were other towels that you use for normal and so going in a house was so like you know like in a hotel room that you can't touch though you know and it's just like for show but it felt so conformed and then if we went there she would expect us to be conformed in that pattern and not everyone is like that and that just there were too many laws and it it gives you know so it might be good for that person but for you you're just going to feel a miss there and how many of you you're like coming with you'll have a personality and so you'll love each other for that personality but it's not trying to change each other are you understanding let them just have that personality if someone just loves to enjoy you know sports let them go and have their sports you know women love doing makeup there's nothing wrong in doing makeup enjoy who you are enjoy being the sun but give each other room to just be and not trying to change each other if there's something that i don't like for that uh, you know person i've realized i have to learn to accept this for who they are and then i accommodate in my life and then after i've realized after some point even as i've accommodated it they have changed is because i didn't look for 
them to change, I just decided to accommodate it. And I'm not going to let this bother me anymore. Give, make room for each other to grow. Okay, the Holy Spirit, even as two sons are there, is working in those individuals at some space. Even in my relationship with my brother, okay, I know that the Holy Spirit is working in a pace. Sometimes with him, like I can see where the errors are and I feel like, my God, don't do this. You're really going to hit yourself and fall. Meaning like in a situation, right? And sometimes God just tells me, don't shepherd him. And then my brother will land up falling exactly what happens, exactly the way I saw it. But sometimes he's just going to learn it. That's just the way he's going to learn it. And so I just let that happen. I don't have to micromanage everything. And so sometimes you could be in relationship and you say, I told you so, you see it all right. Yes, you see it all right, but just allow them to just have the Holy Spirit work in their lives so that they can see it and have that whole experience of learning rather than you just being the shepherd who knows it all. Okay, and I had to do that in my own family. And even as husband and wife, you'll have to do it with each other. Okay, uh, look at this. Um, yeah, oh, this is good. Misinterpretation. Give room for people, allow mis people can mis misinterpret what you've said. You know, when you're having a fight, never take someone seriously when you're having a fight. I've had fights with friends. I've had fights with, you know, people in relationships. I've, I've had fight fights. I don't remember anything I said after a fight. But that person remembers everything. And now after five years, I'll meet them and they're like, you said this. The funny thing is I don't even remember it. And now if you held on to that, that you said this five years ago, I feel sad for them because I don't remember it. And I don't remember it is probably not true. In a fight, you'd probably, you know, my, when my mother and my father used to fight, they used to say things to each other because they knew where the, the points were, the buttons were, where to push. And so my father would say that, like I'll say it in Marathi, this. <laughs> my father used to say, Kamechi means you don't have the brains to make money. But actually, my mother made more money than my father. Okay, but he just said that because he knew the minute he would say that, she would cry. And so, you know, y'all we have we all have our points where we know, like you say it and you get somebody, you get their attention and you just want to have it. Like my brother has said, you are a whore. He wouldn't, uh, he went and wrote it on my wall, W-H-O-R. I said, get the spelling right. I put an E there. After that, he stopped writing it on my wall or writing some things on my wall is because I, I, I gave him the impression like it didn't matter what he said to me. It doesn't make a difference to me. I'm like a raincoat. Whatever you say, it slides off me. And that's the way it, in Marathi it says, Nirlaja Sadasuti means the shameless are ever happy. Shameless means you don't care what people say about you. And so in a fight, you're going to land up slamming each other and saying some crappy things that you didn't even mean. And so just let it dust off. How many times you know, I've, I've preached in Beloved and people will write to me and tell me what, you know, what the message was. And I'm like, that's so not what I meant. And then I wonder what are people hearing, you know, sometimes when I write, like, how is this interpretation gone for? And so I allow, and then I realize in relationships, allow, allow that you could, you could see this in a completely different way than somebody spoke it. You know, in your text messages, if you don't put the smiley faces at the right places, it can come across as really angry. What's up without a smiley face or what's up with a smiley face? Very different. Okay, okay with a smiley face, okay without a smiley face. It's just harsh. I'm just saying, allow that the other person could, you know, you could have misunderstood what the other person has said. Okay, so many people have, have quoted me saying things which are not even true because I genuinely don't even believe it. So how can I say something that I genuinely don't believe? Okay, it's because it's, 
that means you have misunderstood something the way i've spoken something and so give room for misinterpretation okay because if you make that room then you know what christ is able to do something you're just allowing each other two sons just allow i've, I've learned this so much in different types of relationships before i wanted everyone to see it like why don't they just see it and now i just know that you know what the holy spirit is working in each one and just give grace for them to grow at their own pace and allow them that they might fall they might get hurt and they might it's okay and i just have to be strong and watch it and then just then meet me at some point at my pace okay that's it uh look at this i am peace ephesians 4:3 make every effort to keep the unity of peace through the bond of peace Matthew 5:9 Blessed are the peacemakers for they should be called sons of God. Okay? I'm just going to read this and then I'll I'll come back to what I'm saying. Ephesians 4:20 But you have not so learned Christ if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to god in true righteousness and holiness that means it's talking about let go of the old get on with the new renew your minds therefore putting away lying let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor that means it's not saying keep shut keep speak the truth for we are members of one another be angry and do not sin do not let the sun go down on your wrath nor give place to the devil very important okay let him who stole steal no longer but rather let him labor working with his hands what is good that he may have something to give who has need let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers do not grieve the holy spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption let all bitterness wrath anger clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice be kind to one another tender hearted forgiving one another forgiving one another even as god in christ forgave you learn to settle an argument before you go to sleep between husband and wife don't go to sleep with a pending argument try and resolve it that same day it says here it says do not let the sun go down in your wrath nor give place to the devil in most times even in beloved i have people who write to me with scriptures and i see where this is going if if i see that with the intention that it is written to me i just gauge it gauge it for because my job is to just keep strife away one scripture can just cause so much strife and it says the bible says make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace that means what is more important peace and so i let go of that i won't even even though i have all the answers sometimes i just won't navigate it to that because we just don't want strife okay i remember um you know you rather you rather you know lose an argument they say and keep the relationship rather than win an argument and there is no relationship okay be be a peacemaker that's what we are called to do in all things look for you know how can i get peace in this matter before i go to sleep let me resolve it like i have fights even with my mother and i might have friends but i just like i can't go to sleep with sort of like an impending fight over my head i have to make peace whether it's like me just saying sorry about it but i just want peace in this okay and we'll work it out later but i'm not going to go to sleep without having peace because i'm just keeping the devil out of everything i'm not giving him any room okay and so it's learn to say sorry 
be quick to repent. If you see something, repent just means, you know, seeing something that is an error. If you see there's a mistake, don't be, just say sorry. If you see it, because, you know, whatever we are doing, we're doing it unto the Lord. So if you see something that, yeah, I so shouldn't have done this. I've lost my cool. I shouldn't have said this. Say sorry, forget about it. You'll be surprised how it's just over and done with it. One sorry. How many times, you know, when a cop catches you and if he comes to you, if he sees you, are sorry, sorry, you'll be surprised. Or instead of, oh, I didn't break the signal. Sometimes it's let you go. Apologetic. Just sorry. I'm so sorry. I won't do it again. Okay. I love that word. You know, I remember. Um, yeah. Okay. You know, in some areas, peace is pro progressive. Okay. Um, in my earlier years, again, this is like, uh, you know, in my family. Now, sometimes I've heard many people in, and I, I told you like this message is about relationships, but in general also, okay, between family, wife, but the word of God, the, I'm, I'm, I'm sharing all of this in the identity of a son. So you can apply it across everything and it will hold true. Okay. It's just going to work out because you're not a husband. You're not a wife. You're not a brother. You're not a sister. You're a son. And so if I'm a son, I'm a life giving spirit. If I'm a son, then the son stands up for the truth and the truth always wins out. I have to speak it up if I see it. Otherwise, if I'm not addressing it, things are just going to be covered and not addressed. And I'll have that problem. And you're with me. You've had that problem for eight years. For eight years is because you didn't do anything about it. It means to stand up for the truth, speaking that truth. Okay. So when I say peace is progressive, for 10 years in my family with me and mom, it was just like this every day. And not only with my mom, with my aunt, with extended family, my neighbors, everything. Anywhere I went, it was just, 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 just I would get calls. I, I had a dream, like you went there, you died, or I died, or just some crazy things. You know, but my point is now this doesn't look like peace. But do you know that to get to the place of peace, to where I am right now in my relationship with my mom, my brother, my extended family, to calm waters, peace looked very different. It looked like a storm. And so sometimes standing up as a son, because you're, you know, you're fighting against principalities, powers, and all of these, but they're all defeated. They have no hold over what belongs to you. And all that the father wants you to do is son, just speak up. Can you be true to who you are? You know that this is not the truth. Yeah, just speak it up. Speak it up. It'll ruffle up, but it's okay. It'll settle down, settle down. And what happens after some time? Suddenly that peace is so much because you've spoken because truth, peace works with truth. It doesn't work without truth. So you want temporary peace in your house or I just don't want to say anything just to avoid a big, you know, like uh, there's just going to be, there's going to be a fight and you think it's a fight. It's not. You're just establishing peace, long-term peace. And so I speak the truth. It will create peace. And to date, that word has brought about peace because my words are spirit and they are life. They will bring about peace. What does the word say? Anything you do in the flesh, the carnal mind leads to death. But the spirit leads to life and peace. So sometimes people just think, no, in my family, he doesn't want to do it. Let it be. I just don't want him to flare up and everything. If you... If I stand on the word, it's simple thing like you want to be by yourself, live independently in a house. Just be on it. The word says it. Trust me, if the word says it and you're speaking it, the whole of heaven backs you up. Every, everything is backing up his word to make it come to pass. It's because people don't open their mouth. 
And so we are in the same problem after 10 years because you didn't speak up. I'm telling you, you live like a lion. My identity is that of a son first. In any relationship, I'm going to be a son. I will speak, speak up. So now it just becomes constant. I'm not a husband. I'm not a wife. I'm not a brother. I'm a son. That's it. Okay. Now look at this. Um, okay. Where was I? Where was I? Where was I? Yeah. You know, I, I want to give you an example of, uh, you know, when I just got baptized. Okay. Uh, I just got baptized. I was in Nottingham and I was in a house and then suddenly there was just like my friend and I just started fighting. Okay. Uh, my, uh, you know, Lily was a very big part of my life at that time. And she, uh, she was my first born again friend and amazing. And so, uh, you know, we were all girls living in this house and I got baptized and suddenly there was just like this strife. And because she also knew the Lord and I was a son, first thing we did was identify it as strife that this is not, this is the devil engaging and causing rift. Some of y'all look at it and you think it's you and the husband has problems and the wife has problems. But if you look at it with a with an eagle's eye view and you'll see all strife is caused by the devil because God's purpose is that man and woman should be one. And so I identified it and I said, Lily, I said, this is just like petty things, you know, but I said, it's the devil trying to cause this. I just got baptized. There's so many things. I'm excited at what God wants to do. And now, you know, there's just a strife. Okay. And even as we just identified it, we are like, yeah, we're not going to allow this fighting to go on. Everything, there was just peace. We didn't allow the devil in. You keep it out. So that's maturity. Just looking at it and not like you and you and her or you and him, you're looking at it with like, you know what? This is, this is, this is the work of an outsider. This is the devil doing it. And so you protect your own relationship. Okay. I am mercy. Okay, Luke 6, I love mercy. For the past couple of months, grace is, grace is, you know, giving someone the good that they don't deserve. Mercy is not giving someone the bad they deserve. Okay, like if someone cuts me off in a line, they come and stand before me, I just get irritated. And then, you know, I'm like, oh, why not you? Because I'm standing in a line, it means clearly be behind me, don't be in front of me. But in a relationship, I realized the principle, and I, I had this once, um, Okay, let's read that, read that verse and then I'm going to share you a spiritual truth there, okay? Love your enemies. Luke 6, verse 27. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on one cheek, offer the other also. And for him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you and from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to the sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies, do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore be merciful just as your father also is merciful. Judge not and you shall not be judged. Condemn not and you shall not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. 
as to always think this is money. And God told me this is mercy. And every time I decided to give someone mercy, I realized, and this started happening over the last year, I would just say mercy. I would just get, literally, it says give, that means give mercy and it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your bosom for with the same measure that you use it, it will be measured back to you. We went to a restaurant, Rishi, me, Hebron, and all of us, we had gone to Carter Rose, Carter Road. And, uh, you know, we, I really wanted this one place to sit. So I actually saw this small place. And then, you know, the guy said, no, we can't give it. I'm going to give it to somebody else. And now at that point, I'm getting irritated, you know, because we, we are there first. And uh, he's like, no, I can't give it. They called and so I'm going to give them. And so even at that point, I remember saying just mercy, you know, and I was like, okay, I'll take what you have. And then suddenly someone decides to get up from not even the place that I'd like, this amazing sea view place, sea view table. And then suddenly they just get up and they're like, oh, that happened. Okay, you can go and have it. And this is not just one. And these things just kept happening. And I realized every time I'm giving mercy, that means not giving someone the bad that they deserve. The father is telling me, excuse me, when I tell you give mercy is because when you release something, I'm going to release something for you. That's what it means. That means in every situation, do you know why I'm just like my father? And you say that, do you know why you are just like your father? It's because my father says, you know, is merciful. I'm going to give mercy. And when I don't give someone the bad that they deserve, my father gives me this amazing goodness that I didn't even think I could have. And I expect the return from him. So every time you're doing someone did you bad and you want to really pay them back, you don't go and avenge yourself because let God have the vengeance because you know what, when he avenges you, he just has a way of doing it where the whole world will see what he's given you. And so why do you give mercy? He doesn't say give mercy. Yeah, just no, because he's saying when you, you know what, when you are going to release mercy for somebody, you wait and see what I will do for you. I'm going to give it double portion to you back. So much more that you look at it and it didn't make a difference. I didn't care that I didn't get the table because I had to see you. I didn't even know I, it was there. And it's just an example that I'm giving, but mercy is not giving the bad that somebody deserves. You're seeing in a relationship. Yeah. You want to give it back. And how many times you just tied up your mouth and you didn't say it. Like, you know, you, you could really like show somebody down right now. Like I have such bad things to say about you. And I could really win this argument right now with all four of us and slam you down. But I chose not to do it just because of who I am, because righteousness consciousness means not slamming somebody else with dirt. And that's, you've done it in your flesh. And so I'm going to ignore it because you're, you're not your flesh. You're actually your, your spirit being. And so even as I'm, and I'm just being true to who I am, right? And even as I'm doing that, do you know that there's a reward for you? That you will realize you walked away from that situation. And then you just go and see this whole lot of goodness on you. That he did something for you. Apply mercy. Just do it. I'm seeing it. I've, I've seen it in the past one year over different situations. And I've already shared it in Beloved. But even as you're giving mercy, you'll realize the father is so involved in it. The father boasts about you. Okay. Look at this. Uh, <clears throat> so whenever I'm giving it, my expectation is from the father. Okay. It's not, I've, I've shared this before. Okay. But it's not your job to change someone. Only God can change. Okay. Your job is to accept the person just the way they are. And it's God's job to change that person. Okay. I am the provider. I'm the bread. Money. Okay, let's quickly read. Okay, <clears throat> I have some things to cover, but uh, money comes in a lot of problems. 
in marriages is because of money okay again it comes between the identity if the woman she's like a wife and she thinks the man has to be the provider okay and so i want us to read proverb 31 proverb 31 is like this uh, is is this perfect woman right she is the the image of this perfect woman and so this proverb study woman is a working woman okay which is ironic so people think like oh the wife should not work and the husbands are the money makers and the bread makers and again it goes with an identity issue okay and so i'm quickly going to read proverbs 31 proverbs 31 okay uh, the virtuous wife verse 10 who can find a virtuous wife for her worth is far more than rubies the heart of her husband safely trusts her so he will have no lack of gain she does him good and not evil all the days of her life she seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands she is like the merchant ships she brings her food from afar she also rises while it is yet night that means she's an early riser and provides food for all of her household her whole family and a portion of her maid servants she considers a field and buys it she's a businesswoman from her profits she plants a vineyard she girds herself with strength she strengthens her arms she perceives that her merchandise is good and the lamp does not go out by night she stretches out her hands to the to the distaff and her hands holds to the spindle she extends her hand to the poor yet yes she reaches out her hands to the needy she is not afraid of snow for her household and all her household is clothed with scarlet she makes tapestry for herself her clothing is fine linen and purple her husband is known in the gates and she sits among the elders of the land she makes linen garments and sells them and supplies sashes for the merchants strength and honor are her clothing she shall rejoice in the time to come she opens her mouth with wisdom and on her tongue is the law of kindness she watches over the ways of her household she does not eat the bread of idleness that means she's not just sitting idle mind her children rise up and call her blessed her husband also and he praises her many daughters have done well but you excel them all charm is deceitful and beauty is uh, charm is deceitful and beauty is passing but a woman who fears the lord she shall be praised give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates this is talking about somebody who is working okay now again if you don't see yourself as the son recently again i was counseling somebody and she had a problem that the husband wasn't providing and then i'm seeing you know and i i see most of the problems come is because they get into the identity of a wife and of a female and then the man should provide and while it might be there but you know they've forgotten that they're a son so i just told her i said you know what you are a son and a son means that he's a life giving spirit a son means that he's the provider that he will give in my own family all three of us are providers my mother my brother and me and i just don't mean my mother is a uh, is gives food she's a financial means she has a, she provides financially also for herself like money is flowing out of her and god takes care of her if you start seeing yourself first comes you believe the truth about who you are I'll tell you how all of these things go you first see yourself as a son once you start seeing yourself as a son you will realize that i am the bread of life i am the provision wherever jesus went even in wilderness he was providing so he will have the money how you get the money just see you know what i am a son it's in my nature to be a life giving spirit money will flow out of me and you'll realize how everything just comes to you you go you look up on the internet you'll get the job you'll get maybe just sitting at home doing something but you'll land up being a life giving spirit because it's in your nature and i told this girl i said why don't you just take a job or do something she said nobody is a man i said no you're a son he's not the man you're a son 
and then you shift them and start seeing them as life-giving spirits suddenly now she doesn't want to you know you're not latching on to somebody because you'll realize you're a son with another son and then even as you start seeing yourself as a son you realize that all the son's provision is coming from the father in every relationship christ is getting formed in you please know that in every area of your life your relationship is evolving you were first single you had trials different trials as a single girl or a single guy you come into a marriage now you become a father suddenly you're engaging with different relationships and that relationship and that you're going to evolve but it's all but if you come with the identity of a son you were a son before single you came into a married family but you're still a son and then you won't find the ruffling because you realize a son has all things a son is the provision i'm not looking for somebody to provide for me because i know everything for a son comes from the father and i've had one consistent relationship uniform it's always been between me and my father just the way jesus had all of these different relationships that he's engaging with but the uniformity is that everything is coming from his father and that he is the provider i am a life giving spirit so i told her i said just go get a job you are a son first you're not a wife but i had children i said so the proverb 91 woman she had children she was feeding them you can get somebody if you have a job you can have somebody have some daycare just put everything will come in order just do it god's way and you'll realize how it's when two people are working and you're seeing yourself as a son that everything is in order just go by god's word okay and look at this it says here matthew 6 no one can serve two masters you will hate one and love the other you will be devoted to one and despise the other you cannot serve god and be enslaved to money don't become a slave to money let money serve you i make money but i make sure that i have the time to go and enjoy it i take a vacation i say no to projects i'm not saying yes to everything because whatever i'm making that money is supposed to serve me i'm not supposed to run after it and so sometimes just take a vacation go with your husband just go out for a vacation if he doesn't want to plan you book it and he'll come i'm telling you this is a principle you know people tell me you book it but once you come into an identity of a son you start see, seeing yourself as a son now you booked it as a wife and he never came you book it as a son knowing that you're a son he will come the son responds to the father's voice it's a spiritual truth jesus said come they all came jesus said i am they all fell is because it's the son speaking okay it's a spiritual truth you 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 know you said he said no to all these vacations now you book one and now you tell me what happened because it's the son who's booking it okay he will come because you're one colossians 317 and whatever you do in word or deed do all in the manner of the name jesus giving thanks to god the father through him that means all things i do i do it unto him okay money don't let money i have relationships that women have gone into where they they everything is about show they want to drive the branded car uh, you know whichever the thing wear the branded clothes and everything to get an identity and it doesn't matter and you're trying to show it to people who don't even care live within your means whatever you have and you'll be surprised how just god adds to it i bought this amazing car i always wanted it okay i wanted this verna and i wanted a verna i didn't want a bmw i didn't want anything i wanted this verna okay but four years ago i couldn't afford it but four years ago i had the money and i bought this amazing car that the money could buy and i enjoyed it because it's a car and then even as i progressed and managed that money within that whatever i had i was just faithful in that that i had i realized how god was adding and you know what today i could have the verna that i wanted I'm just saying, just don't live live outside. You live in what God has given you. You honor it. 
you you know you live as a son my identity is not coming from the car i drive it's coming from what my father says about me but it's a desire that i had and so it got fulfilled but he added it to me so your everything about me is not coming from the clothes that i wear it's coming from what my father says about me all everything that you are is not coming from the words that maybe the husband and wife and these terrible words is spoken to each other it's coming you live in a place where it doesn't matter what he says it's what my father says and he may have said it because he was angry with me just allow it to just slide off okay give room give grace to each other okay cast down the accuser i'm going to take a few minutes i'm just going to end this okay i'm sorry i've gone a little ahead of time but i'm going to end this um uh, cast down the accuser of the brethren okay john 5 do not think that i shall accuse you to the father there is one who accuses you moses in whom you trust this is what jesus says do not think i accuse you to the father there is one who accuses you moses moses is the law represents the law okay accuser of the brethren revelation 12:7 and war broke out in heaven michael and his angels fought and the dragon and the dragon and his i'm just going to come down on verse 10 then i heard a loud voice saying in heaven now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our god and the power of his christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our god day and night has been cast down and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives even to death accuser of the brethren what is accusation you know you've uh, given too much liberty to your children that's why they turned out like this that is accusing accusing somebody in a family right now with covid there can be two sons one wears a mask and one just doesn't want to wear a mask and then the word says do not have your faith unto the lord but don't use it to condemn the other person in my family my mom wears a mask i let her wear the mask i'm not here telling her don't wear the mask it's i'm not going to use my faith is unto the lord and so if i'm not wearing i really believe i don't need it i, I go out but if i see somebody else i'm not going and pointing and accusing them why they are because it says don't condemn the other person with what you believe and so i can be in that family i can just live free and have somebody else just wearing their mask and that's fine but i will speak the truth that yeah it's in my nature and so i don't need and maybe after some time somebody else might catch up to it but i'm not slamming the other person and accusing the other person of what they're doing wrong and i hear this so many times in relationship he i tell him he tells me to wear a mask and you know when i i went back after shimla to my brother uh, to mom's house and my brother just came with all like oh you come and you have this silly cough and you know you're not wearing a mask and i was like excuse me you you know you you are living like that, that 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 that's fine but this is not who i am and i have to speak up for the truth and then when he thought like you know i'd given him something i went and made him get a test and it was negative okay yeah because i'm a son i'm going to be true to who i am but a son isn't condemning so i didn't go and tell sandeep hey listen remove your masks i'm a son i'm living it to who i am and i don't speak the word in the house that yeah you're a son and i'm i'm he's hearing it he's hearing it he's uh, you know he's getting edified with it he'll come to that but like i said you give each one the relationship to grow but your words are spread in their life for me the rest is the covenant that you know my whole family is in the blood anything that belongs to a son is taken care of because it belongs to the father it comes into covenant relationship of father of fatherhood godhood that's my rest okay look at this um so you're not accusing pull down the accuser of the brethren what you did what you didn't do accusing each other because it's giving the room for the devil the devil is the one who accuses accuses us day and night he takes the law and accuses us where you missed it okay and that's where we don't become 
we don't become instruments for him to start accusing one another. I was doing this once and Michael said, Priya, do you even know? Because I was like, you know, something happened and I started accusing this person. And, you know, he's like, do you know that you, you become an accuser and you let, the, you let your tongue be an instrument for the devil to even start accusing? He's saying, you don't do that as a son. If the other person is doing, let them do it. You are not the accuser of the brethren. You don't give him any room to do that. And so even as I didn't do anything, I just kept quiet. And it was a situation that was, you know, related to work and it was just going crazy. I did not do that. I just gave mercy. I said, I'm not going to use my tongue to be accusive and allow the devil to do this. And suddenly just God just lifted me up in that situation. I told you in your relationship, your relationship is husband and wife and Christ. Take everything to him. Have your expectation from him. That's what it makes it stronger. So you see something that you don't like in that person. You know what, Jesus? I'm doing this unto you. I'm going to be true to who you are. I'm speaking up. But my expectation about this is from you. It's not from this person. And cultivate that and you'll realize that your relationship with Christ is stronger. So tomorrow the husband can go out and you're like, yeah, go. Because, you know, God keeps the marriage together. What happened with Abraham? Sarah, Sarah, Abraham said, yeah, take Sarah, my wife. Come on, the husband is saying, take Sarah, my wife. And Abimelech, she's gone to the harem there or whatever. Who protected? It was God who protected. God kept that marriage together. That's what I mean. Because her relationship with this with God, because he is the righteousness of God. It says Abraham's faith was counted as righteous. Okay? God holds it. That means your relationship is, it's, it, my relationship is unto him in all things. He keeps everything together. My rest is that my whole family is in the blood. And so is yours. That should be your rest. So I go anywhere, it's all in the blood. I'm in Christ, but it also says my whole life is hidden. Uh, you know, Christ is in me, but my whole life is hidden in Christ also. That means it's like this. Everywhere I go, it's Christ. It's like an atmosphere I'm going. Okay? And nothing can touch Christ and Christ just affects everything else. Children, Isaiah 54, 13. All your children shall be taught by the Lord. And great shall be the peace of your children. In righteousness, you shall be established. You shall be far from oppression. For you shall not fear. And from terror, for it shall not come near you. Psalm 91. Because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the most high your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. In relationships, especially in our culture, we get married, we get children, and the husband just goes at the side. Okay? Your relationship is first with Christ. It's in Christ. You're both two sons getting your own feeding from your father. Then comes your family, your husband, then come your children. Have date nights. Go out. Okay? In our culture, we keep the baby in the bed. So they become clingy with us. There is a reason why in my, you know, my uh, family abroad, they keep the baby in the little crib aside. So after some time, I realized that they're very secure also. They're independent. They're doing their own things, but they're not clingy. Children, you know, and one of the other worries that they have, people just worry about the children. Like I have this mother who's just like, I said, but what is the, she said, no, I just feel like they're going out to school and, you know, they'll get influenced. I said, do you not believe the word that it says that your children will be taught by the Lord? And Psalm 91, that no evil will come near your dwelling, that you're a son. Again, it has to do with, they don't see themselves as a son. You see yourself as a mother. And then you think you should naturally worry about your children. No, that's because you've come into the identity of a mother. If you see yourself as a son, then all of these are working for you. You'll end up being carefree. Is because, yeah, they're taught by the, the, they're going to be taught by the father, the Lord. Okay, that's your inheritance. Time, a son rules time and doesn't allow time to rule him. 
Luke 10. Now it happened as they went and they entered a certain village. And a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. This is Jesus. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left? Okay. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, uh, my sister has left and left me to worry about all of these things. Take care of the house. It's not serving, helping me in serving. And Jesus said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Time, give no relationship is going to grow if you don't give that relationship time, whether it's even your own relationship with Christ. Time, you have to give each other time. And time is something I've realized people who say I have no time, they never have time. You don't, you don't have time, you make time. Time, you as a son, you rule over time. I've never, ever in my 20 years ever had the opportunity to say I have no time. I've never had it. It's because I choose to not let time rule me. I say no. I end work. I put things like, okay, after seven or after 10, I will not do this. I don't even take calls after sometimes. In the, I just choose it. I just give myself those boundaries. I said, no, I'm not going to let time rule me. Okay. Some people have a house. They, you know, the wives are just cleaning up the house, the house, and you have the Sunday where the husband is at home. Forget the house cleaning, get somebody, maybe hire a maid to get the things done. You're not the maid. And have that valuable time and just enjoy, go, go watch a movie. But have that time, make that time for each other. And in that time, you're going to have a relationship grow. Okay. Try when you're having a time together, try not to talk about heavy things. Keep it for another day. Take a time, just, you know, Sunday is just like life. You're just going to enjoy each other. Not talk about the heavy topics. Maybe on another day, address some things. But just, just enjoy. Okay. Uh, yeah. Sex affection. Okay. Now concerning the things, I forgot to write the, I think it's in Corinthians. It is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality or adultery happening, let each man have his own wife and let each woman have her own husband. Let the husband render to his wife the affection due to her and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another except with consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and to prayer. That means it's saying, if you don't want to come together, that should, should be maybe you want to fast or prayer or have your own just one-on-one -on -one time with the Lord, okay? And come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I know people who've, who've that they've had adultery cases because the woman wasn't giving herself to the man or the man wasn't giving herself to the woman. Just go by God's word plainly. You're a son first, okay? And again, it says so that you can keep Satan out of this. But I say this as a concession, not as a commandment. For I wish that all men were as I myself because Paul was a single guy. But each one has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. But I say this to unmarried and to the widows. It is good for them if they remain even as I am. That means if you're a widow, and he advises that remain single. But if they cannot exercise self-control, let them marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Now to the married I command, yet not I but the Lord, a wife is not to depart from a husband. But even if she does depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband and the husband is not to divorce his wife. What God has called together, let not man separate. That is just God's version of that. Okay. 
a believing husband or a wife and an unbelieving wife or a husband. You're with a husband, you are, you are the believing one and your wife is not the believing one. Or the wife is the believing one and the husband is the unbelieving one, okay? But to the rest, I, not the Lord, say, I, not the Lord, say, if any brother has a wife who does not believe and she is willing to live with him, let him not divorce her. And the woman who has a husband who does not believe, if he is willing to live with her, let her not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean. But now they are holy. But if the unbeliever departs, let him depart. A brother or a sister is not under bondage in such cases. But God has called us to peace. For how do you know, O wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, O husband, whether you will save your wife? I have seen so many. Sunita is one of them. I have another person in their marriages with the unbelieving husbands. For years, years, nothing happened. Even as they started seeing themselves as a son, opening their mouth, everything is shifting. I'm telling you the truth is now, you don't come into an identity of a wife or husband. If you stay true to your son, everything submits to the son. Okay, that's the truth. You started saying it in your family, things have started shifting. The husband is suddenly saying yes to so many things because now you started speaking up as a son. Okay, for singles, I'm quickly just going to share this because we're going to close. Uh, 2 Corinthians 6, 14. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Okay, if you have the chance right now and if you're single, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. Okay, after some time, you know, I, I've had people who've, uh, you, you know, they, it, the person just didn't want anything to do with Jesus and they've gone with that in that relationship. After some time, because you're a life-giving spirit, because it's who you're called to be, it's like you're a lion, you're not a dog, right? After some time, a lion will just want to, it's, it's a carnivorous animal, at least after the fall, it became that. It's going to want to go and eat some meat. And so what I'm saying is you're a life-giving spirit and everything in you, you're just going to be dry and you're going to be like, you know what, like, I want to share. It's going to be like that. So you think right now it's easy or let me just get married to him. He doesn't know it. It's okay. And you'll be surprised if you're not the person, one pulling that person in. After some time, you've forgotten all about Christ. I've seen that in people. And they've forgotten who they are. They've forgotten who Jesus is. And they, because they just went by impulsiveness, not waiting for God to bring something in their lives. Okay. And so it says here, don't be unequally yoked. It's, it's saying about light being with darkness. You are the light. If you really like somebody, it's okay if they don't even know it. But hold your position. Tell them about it because you're a son. And so even as you're speaking it, you know what? If they're opening up, yeah, give them more light. But then wait for them. Just don't rush into that marriage. Wait for them to start getting all their source from the father. That means you're, you're allowing them to sort of have a relationship with the father now, independently of you. And so even as they are, they've started that relationship, do you know that now, even if you come together, but it's not dependent on you. So tomorrow, even if you do something silly, they're not shaking with it. It's because they started, they started getting all of their life independently of that relationship. So it's okay you like somebody, they may not know Christ, and then you bring them into the kingdom, you disciple them into sonship, wait if you like somebody just wait see how they're you know in their relationship let them start getting one-on-one -on -one from the father and yeah and then of course go ahead you know and get married but wait for that okay 
um, keep yourselves away. Keep yourself set apart. Okay. There's something about just having sex between marriage and not having it outside. Okay. Uh, in, in fact, in the old, you know, like uh, whenever a guy and a girl comes together, a virgin, uh, a woman sheds blood is because it signifies covenant. Today, it's just, you know, people have sex outside marriage and they just keep having sex, but God ordained oneness. So if you want oneness, then you wait because God's act is on it. And so it's a guy and you're keeping yourself, uh, you know, separated unto the father, keeping yourself uh, sanctified by the word, keeping yourself away just because the whole world is doing it doesn't mean you have to do it. Similarly, a girl, you're keeping yourself, the world calls you abnormal, that's fine. You're perfectly normal in your father's eyes because you don't just want sex, you want oneness. And that only comes in the sanctity of marriage, in covenant, okay? And so while the world will have it, you will have something else, okay? And, uh, you know, if you all, you know, if there are uh, women who've missed it and, you know, uh, you know, the blood of Jesus is constantly cleansing us. And so today's your day and that's it. You know, God calls you a virgin and now, yeah, it's because of Christ. I'm, I'm sorry, Father, I didn't even know this truth, but now I'm going to set myself apart. I thank you that your blood sets me apart. And you know what? Now I'm going to wait for the one that you have. And even though my friends say it's weird and that's fine, my identity doesn't come from my friends. My identity comes from what you have for me. And I just don't want what the world has. I want what you have because you ordained it in marriage. Okay. And what, what when your presence comes on it, I'll have something that they never had. That's the way you see it. Okay. I'm going to end this with love, the definition, God's definition of love. Okay. Love is patient. Love is not impulsive. Love is patient. That means lust is impulsive. Lust wants it now. Okay. Love is patient. Love waits. If the guy really loves you, he'll wait. If the girl really loves you, she'll wait for you. And you, you will have, you'll come together within the boundaries of marriage, the covenant of marriage. Okay. Love is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful. Love is not proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice in injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. It is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages, in tongues, and special knowledge will, will become useless, but love will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. When, you're, when you love, three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of this is love. Romans. Romans 13, 8. Oh, no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. 1 Corinthians 16, 14. Do everything in love. Um, and I, I just want to end by saying, you know, when you, when you talk about love, you're not going to have everybody like you. Okay? Uh, you're not going to have everybody like you. I remember in Beloved also, when I'm speaking the truth or when I'm taking something from the Bible, it's sonship is not for everybody. It's just for a few. And those who get it, they run with it. And then when you're loving somebody in truth, through God's word, you're going to have people not liking you. Okay? And that's okay with it. Because Jesus offended many people as well. He didn't have everybody with him. But those who heard him, it bore life in peace. Okay? In their lives.
so we love in truth. Okay, and uh, I want to end this. You know, I've had uh, uh, people. You know, when in the world when you look at marriage, and then just because the world has it in a certain way, and you'll see after some time they complain that you know our love grew apart. Uh, you know, there is sometimes adultery, and I see all of these things. And then I had a word with somebody, and he said, you know, because they didn't keep the covenant of marriage, because they had sex outside marriage, and so later on it plays out, and it might play out like, oh, we grew apart. Oh, like one committed adultery, one didn't, and. So you think that you know if any if the word says if you sow to the flesh of the flesh it will lead to death, but if you sow to the spirit it will lead to life. I just know one thing that God's way leads to life, and so I rather do it God's way, and it might take time and it leads to life than doing something hazardly, haphazardly, and doing it by man's way. Okay, what is the truth in all of this? Jesus engaged in all relationships with his mother, with his disciples, with different people, but he did it in the identity of a son. He never forgot he's a son. And even as he ministered, even to his mother, even to, you know, all the other relationships, to the women around him, but he was in the identity of a son. And as a son, there was no lacking in anything. And everyone was coming to him and found fulfillment in him. In marriage, if you see yourself as a son, as a life-giving spirit, that means, you know what, provision, you know what, I will be the provider. It's another thing that the husband is providing. But you know what? I can provide because it's in my nature to be a life-giving spirit. I am the one who's, if there's any problem, yeah, I'm, I'm here because I, am, I have the solution for it because I'm the son. If anything is coming, it's coming from the son. And so what is happening? That person is going to take life out of you. And so two people doing that, imagine how much life you're giving to each other. You're either receiving it. Okay. Most of your problems, if you look deep down, is because you've come into the identity of either a husband or a wife. And your identity is that of a son. Let go of all those flesh identities. So then you won't feel like getting clingy or getting something from the other person. You'll be at the giving and the other person is at the receiving end. Okay, so let's just close in prayer today. Uh, Father, I just thank you for everyone listening today. I thank you that your words are spirit and they are life. And Father, that we're all, all coming into this truth, Father that we are sons first, that you look at us and call us a son. That's it, Father. And everything that we receive comes from you. So in every relationship that we engage in, it is father and son. It is father and son in every relationship. And so, Father, I just thank you. Jesus, you are my high priest. I just give you a, give you a, a offering, a thanks offering of all the increase that you brought to us right now, of all the revelation that you've given to us. And we just worship you with it right now, Jesus. Just worship Jesus with everything that you've heard right now. Father, I thank you that everyone listening, that there will be a shift in their relationship, in their marriages, in whatever state they are. To everyone listening, even to the singles, to whoever, everyone listening in every relationship that they're engaging in. Father, that you will bring your order, even as they're seeing themselves as sons that they are life-giving spirits and everything flows out of them. Father, I thank you that I'm a son and I lack nothing. It's you who gives me all things. I just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um,